Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Sixers fans, hope you had a good weekend. Welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. A few things to discuss on the Philly front, including could the Sixers be in the market to sign a potential veteran free agent? Also going to look at some general NBA talk. Maybe we'll get some movement on the Donovan Mitchell front this week. But first, joining me for this episode is going to be Mr. Dave Early. Before we jump into things, Dave, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. So Dave, first off, how was your weekend? How are things going over there? Weekend was wonderful. Thank you. All right, let's jump into this right now. So Brian Toporek, who writes for us at Liberty Ballers, also contributes to Forbes as well, uh, wrote about the backup center options that the Sixers have going into next year. Obviously, they're going to have... A little bit more uh, options in their in their in their hands in terms of with okay maybe you don't want to go with Joel when he when he's getting some rest you're going to go with PJ Tucker you're going to go with Paul Reed maybe Charles Bassey who knows but they have options in terms of playing small trying to match up against their opponents but one guy that Brian mentioned is Hassan Whiteside we've seen what Hassan Whiteside can do uh, he's still available on the market when you look at potentially him is that somebody you would look at signing because you tweeted this out this morning and you're basically saying hey uh that daryl morey what what is kind of showing you is that okay if doc doc rivers is pushing daryl to sign is that it could be that morey's hesitating because he wants to make a trade or if he does bring in a guy like whiteside that's going to take away time from the young young fellas like paul reed and charles bassey so where do you sit on, on how things are looking for the Sixers. And they still have, again, to most reports, maybe three and a half, four million dollars under that apron to play with. Yeah, I think Hassan Whiteside looked good in the playoffs. Um, he, he played a drop coverage. First of all, they had a, a positive plus minus in the regular season in the minutes that Rudy Gobert did not play in Utah. So if you were to think, man, the Sixers have never been able to win the non-Joel minutes in the regular season, but they did it with Donovan Mitchell leading the way and Hassan playing some solid drop coverage. He's a good rim protector. And we actually saw that hold up against a team who plays a modern five outlook. Jalen Brunson. I know Luka Doncic wasn't fully healthy, but Whiteside played well. In particular, he played well as a duo with Daniel House. So that's pretty interesting. If you were to sell me on the Sixers signing Whiteside, I think the case would be something like, you know, the idea of Dwight Howard was that he was still a good rim protector. Hassan's even better than Dwight was back in 2021. Uh, certainly better than Andre Drummond. If you were to argue that Andre Drummond's a better overall player, I might argue well, Hassan is better at exactly what the Sixers need, which is straight up defense. You don't need the, the passing, the fancy passes that he does. You don't need the extra rebounding although some Sixers fans will lose their minds giving up more 
offensive <laughs> boards. But I, I think that Hassan brings a, a specific skill set that the Sixers could really use. Why? And I, and I firmly believe, like, I don't know this, but I have no doubt in my mind, Doc Rivers is pushing for the Sixers to sign Whiteside. It just fits everything he's, he's been about. You know, he recruited Dwight. He was the, one of the first, Dwight said Doc was one of the first people to call me. No one else called me. Um, DeAndre Drummond has that connection. So basically, if you're a center who can't shoot or switch, Doc is your guy. Like he's the guy who's going to play you big minutes all year long. We saw it with DeAndre. And so Whiteside's a natural fit for Doc. That Daryl has not done this yet is pretty interesting to me. And it signals more than a few things. Um, Signals he might be thinking two for one trades. He might still be looking bigger picture and doesn't want to hamstring his lineup in any way, just in case, you know, there's, Shakeups happening with Donovan Mitchell. Can you get in on guys that Utah might be looking to sell? We already lost out on Beverly, but there's still Morris. There's Bogdanovich. That might involve a bigger trade like a, uh, a Tobias Harris. I don't see that. But so he might just be saying, I'm not going to make any signings yet because I don't know what's going to happen. The KD domino fell. We'll see what happens with Donovan. The, the Udonis Haslam domino fell. So <laughs> floodgates are opened. Um, and then the other thing it signals is if this was 2020, he would have already signed. I think Maury would have already signed Whiteside. I think he would have said, look, I, I'm here in large part because Doc signed off on me. Doc was here first. You know, Elton Brand went to Doc and said, hey, we want to bring in more firepower. Are you cool working for Maury, even though we didn't talk about any of that in your interview? And Doc said yes. And then Daryl goes and signs a five-year, $50 million deal. So probably a little bit of loyalty and if Daryl in the next year is going to say hey I'm not going to trade Ben Simmons for maybe six months the least I can do is give you you know the, the players you lie on the end of the bench George Niang Andre Drummond and the guys we've heard connected in Doc Rivers recruiting but this could potentially and I'm speculating here signal a slight shift I mean Woj back in May talked about when the Sixers decided to keep Doc they need to see that everyone's on the same page so is it possible that this is a prove-it year for Doc? Uh, you probably say Dave's reading way too much into this guy, Hassan Whiteside, who's not signed, but I'm trying to read everything possible. No, I'm with you, Dave, because I'm looking at this like, okay, number one, if they're able to bring in a guy like Whiteside, and he's still pretty pretty damn good. Again, I don't know if you want to take away from Paul Reed, but you look at Whiteside's numbers last season, he played roughly 18 minutes a game for Utah put up 8.2, 7.6 rebounds of Jazz, were 5.1 points better per 100 possessions with him on the court compared to off of it, a little bit better defensively as well when you look at the Jazz net rating. So for me, I don't, again, that's something I, I would look at because depth helps. And, and we, we saw how much the Sixers were lacking that in the playoffs last season compared to the teams like Miami, Boston, and Milwaukee that they're catching. So again, bringing in these guys that can help fill out the end of the bench I think obviously puts not only the team in a position to succeed, but Doc Rivers as well. And talking about Doc too, because it's interesting. Like, let's just say this, Dave, after the acquisitions they've made this offseason in terms of bringing in P.J. Tucker, bringing in DeAnthony Melton, right? Bringing in Dan Wellhouse. When you look at this team, if they start off 9 and 11, 10 and 10, 11 and 9, let's say, what do you think the percentage is that Doc would be let go? Because again, we know that this team is building for the playoffs. Uh, and I've said this before, even if they win 45 games or win 65 games, it's not going to make a difference if they don't do anything in the playoffs. So 
when you look at the pressure that's on Doc, considering the moves that Daryl has made, do you think the leash is a little bit tighter on him this season compared to last? Yeah, I think I would, if you gave me odds, I would bet that Doc lasts a year and then he's fired as soon as the playoffs are over. And I, I would be, I would bet that confidently. Okay. Okay. So you're, you're, you're pretty, you're, you're hundred percent going there with that. hundred yeah, percent. I don't, I don't think they would do an in-season firing. I don't know that they're comfortable with whoever they would tap. And I think that there's a certain amount of optics letting go like a hall of fame coach who we could make a lot of reasonable excuses for. There's been, you know, there's been the Ben Simmons stuff. There's been some injuries, some really unfortunate freak injuries. And they had a one seat a couple of years ago and Joel Embiid has been an MVP player. You can say plenty of things and letting go a guy with that resume because of a tough start would feel really unfair. And a lot of people would say it and it would make sense. So I think he gets the year, but I do think this is his last year pretty comfortably. Unless they win a championship. Yeah. Uh, maybe if they made the conference finals, you could talk yourself into them. But even then I, I think that they, they would at least explore it if they lost the seven game series in the final four. What, what about a guy like Markeith Morris? We saw Mark Stein, of course, the New York Times. He has a Substack, one of the best insiders in the business, talking about this or referring to this part of me in his late, latest newsletter, uh, basically saying that the Nets have had some interest in signing Markeith Morris. Philadelphia has explored the possibility of bringing the, the Philly native back home. When, when you look at Morris, he's turning 33 coming up uh, this week here. What do you what do you think of his potential fit? with with the Sixers and is that somebody you would look at signing for the vet minimum didn't dude actively campaign to come home on Twitter mm -hmm. I think yeah he, he did. wanted to play he did. yeah I, I actually would not mind him going to the Nets I think the idea that they're going to deploy him as a small ball five alongside Ben Simmons is not something that really puts the fear of God into me as a Sixers fan um it's tough he had a he had a pretty rough injury after the Nikola Jokic um, I don't want to call it a cheap shot because he took one first, right? So whatever that mm -hmm. was, he had some whiplash. He hasn't played. Don't know what I would expect. I wouldn't want to rely on him big minutes. I wouldn't want to see him taking B-ball Paul's minutes. So I'm not really interested. I, I do. I would prefer a guy like Whiteside. There's also names out there like Ben McElmore, Carmelo Anthony, if you wanted a shooter. Um, you might want to, I mean, some people like Harrison Grimm might point out, like you might want to just give some run to one of these two-way guys and give them a shot. And that's fair too. So I wouldn't be really excited about it. If you went to the Nets, I'd say fine. Okay. Yeah. You're not really, you're just kind of indifferent. Like if they bring them great, if they don't, oh, well, like you don't really care at that point. I wouldn't say great. I'd say uh, I probably could have done better with someone else. <laughs> so you'd be like, eh, yeah, white okay. side, white side would be a better fit for sure. Uh, yeah. I, really I would take white side. I'm with you. I would take white side over, over Morris, but again, 100%. I, I don't think they're in a bad spot. They've like, if you look at this right now, obviously you have your starting five, which is Joel, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, likely going to be PJ Tucker, right? I think we can confidently say he'll be the fifth starter as things yeah. stand. Then you're going to have Melton house, Thibel, Niang, Paul Reed, Charles, ba like they have some pretty damn good depth. Isaiah Joe, it doesn't, depends on how far down you want to go down the lineup. But again, they, it doesn't hurt to have guys who are proven NBA players. So you bought one guy up there when you were answering, just that we were just answering the, the Morris thing. I want to jump into a short break and let's talk about that coming up here in about a minute. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Dave, and we're back. Just want to get back into the conversation we were having before the break there. We touched on Markeith Morris looking at veterans. Carmelo Anthony, I think he would be an interesting person or player to look at that okay maybe bring him in for a guy who could shoot a guy who could score off the bench because there's one thing that i look at with the sixers and that is that obviously when you have Embiid, Harden, maxi they're going to get a ton of points likely somewhere you know around 70 points a game from those guys combined maybe more than that you know what i mean just given that uh maxi's going to make another leap and beat already already in the running for the best player in the league then you got Harden right there a top 15 top 20 guy but the one thing that they might be lacking off the bench is some scoring depth, right? As good as, I mean, I think Melton's very good. Obviously, P.J. Tucker's more of a shooter, like a open, you know, in the corner, three-point shooter, not going to create a lot for you. But they still don't have a ton of options in terms of, hey, that guy can come off the bench and be able to score for you. So what do you think about Carmelo? Is that something you might even look at? Or is that, again, are you just like, no, I'd rather stay very, very, very far away from him? You know, it's funny. He actually shot his best career true shooting percentage this past season. I think he had some trouble back when he was playing with James Harden in Houston, accepting a role change, you know, a, a mm-hmm. diminishing role. But I think he was more on board with it when LeBron finally said, like, let's go get let's go get Carmelo and give him a shot. The three and D role where he's putting up high volume threes in a short amount of minutes um as a stretch for what a lot of people foresaw for him many years ago he was reluctant to because he wanted to play iso ball still i you know it wouldn't be the worst in the world the ideal scenario for me is you get a player you really like on a three for one trade maybe matisse seibel and furkan korkmaz go and you get a guy that daryl Morey relies on a little bit more is a guy like Jordan Clarkson available? Yeah. He regressed to the mean in terms of a shooter. I think he only shot 30% from distance, but he's a very comfortable shooter with a fluid stroke. He could always put up buckets. Maybe he could play that Lou Williams role that he played for the Rockets at one point uh, as the microwave bench guy. And then you feel a little bit better about these guys we're talking about taking on Mindios. Now, I don't know that you could afford all of them. Some of these vet mins, you start – 
encroaching on that apron, right? So, you know, they're, they're dealing with a hard cap. There's all kinds of restrictions and it's tough. But if you're just asking me one-on-one, I don't want Hassan Whiteside first, but I prefer him to Markeith and Mello, I think. You're still on that. You're still on that. Like bring in a backup center at this point. Like a, a guy like Whiteside, you would say is more valuable or could be more important than Mello or Morris. Yeah. If, if you didn't have Doc Rivers and we were having this conversation without some of the, oh, he's going to play. First of all, he's going to need to promise Hassan Whiteside 20 games that, jo- that Joel Embiid load manages. And you're going to start him in the playoffs no matter who the matchup is, even if this is Boston. So that's the problem with promising a guy who's talented like Whiteside to a vet min deal and getting him to say yes. I think you necessarily have to make some sell your soul to the devil, if you will, in terms of Doc Rivers' weaknesses. I don't like that idea. So if this was another coach, I would say Whiteside is a no-brainer here. But because of Doc's weaknesses, it makes all of these other guys interesting as well. The problem is Carmelo is another veteran. If he has a big regular season game, when James Harden is load managing suddenly in a game seven, he might say, well, you know what? He was there for me. I'm going to put him out there. Like we've seen him do with shake Milton and put him out there cold. Doc can tend to rely on over rely on veterans. So the whole, this whole thing is scary when you're talking about veterans for Batman's. Do you think they're just better off Dave waiting and seeing what happens throughout the regular season? You have teams like Utah, as you mentioned, you know, getting rid of Rudy Gobert, likely going to trade Donovan Mitchell, jump into that in a few minutes here as well, but then they're going to have a bit of a fire sale, right? You got Jordan Clarkson might be available. Bojan Bogdanovic, a guy you mentioned, you know, Rudy Gay, even although he's obviously lost a step, but uh, these guys, like, they're going to have some fire sales, you know what I mean? Coming up throughout the season or veterans who are being disgruntled with uh, playing with younger guys and then the team's not going anywhere. So do you think it's better to try and secure what you want right now? And again, you're looking at, uh, you're looking at this. uh, We're basically, at the end of August, getting into September training camp coming up next month. Uh, Brian also wrote about this to Porik for, for Liberty Ballers, but looking at players, you know, you can maybe get a guy like Terrence Ross out of, out of Orlando, Gary Harris. You could look at Kelly Oubre Jr. So, you know what I mean? There's going to be options out of, out of Charlotte. Uh, the Spurs might be able to give up some guys. Like, do you think Daryl's better off to, hey, you know what? we got a pretty good squad right now. As I mentioned, they got pretty good depth. Let's wait and see how things play out. And then we can maybe make a move if we, if we feel like we're deficient in playmaking, we're deficient in defense off the bench, whatever it is, but they can adapt. Or do you look at it and say, hey, you have an option to get a guy like Jordan Clarkson, let's just say hypothetically right now, go for it while you can. Yeah, I would go for a guy like Clarkson. I'll throw it back to you. Do you think there's a benefit to going into the season with the extra roster spot as opposed to a guy like Whiteside or Mello? I think so. I think they're good enough to wait. I think they're good enough to, as constructed, they're good enough to be obviously a, a legitimate contender for the number one seed in the East. So having that flexibility with that extra roster spot, again, you might look at the buyout market where a veteran becomes available and he's like, hey, I like what the Sixers are doing. They're deep. I want to try and win a championship. I'll go over and sign over there. Or again, a team implodes or a team like Utah starts you know, firing mm-hmm. off guys to, to, to acquire all these assets. Then at that point, I think it's better to have the flexibility. But again, if you're looking at somebody like Clarkson, he makes about $13.3 million going into or going up, coming up for this season, coming up now. Again, he's a guy you look at. He's young. He's not somebody who is 35 years old, long in the tooth in terms of maybe he has something to give. Maybe he doesn't. I think in that case, you go for it. But right now, I think keeping the roster spot makes more sense. What about you? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. The, the one thing I would throw out there is, 
if these seismic blockbuster deals go down and you're seeing Westbrook go to Utah and Donovan go to New York and, you know, three team, four team trades and the Sixers can get in on it. They're going to want to do a three for one. They're going to want to send out three guys to get one, in which case you need those cheap veterans guys. And so maybe getting one now doesn't hamstring you from then later offering Matisse for con. So I go both ways, but you know, that's, that's where my head goes with it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see over the next few weeks here. And maybe, you know, you go into training camp and Doc Rivers and the coaching staff has a discussion with Daryl and says, hey, we don't like the way things are, are rolling. We don't like the way uh, we're maybe missing this off the bench. Maybe they go starters against the, the second unit. You know what I mean? So there's a ton that left to play out. But I'm with you. I think just give it some time. Wait and see. You obviously made these big additions this offseason that gave you enough depth for the, for the Sixers to be a contender. So I think wait and see how that plays out and keep that roster spot available let's jump into some general nba talk as well dave we saw last week that several reports saying that basically danny ainge and this the original was was mark stein um saying that the utah jazz and danny ainge who's now their ceo think those two picks at the lakers would be able to give up which is 2027 and 2029 so they're trying to find a way to swing the lakers into this donovan mitchell deal with the knicks what did you think about that when when you first saw it because if you if you look at this and I'm quoting Mark Stein here. The two future first-round picks the Lakers possess are 2027 and 29. Like I mentioned, I believe the Sixers can't trade theirs until 2029 at this point. And Danny Ainge kind of looks to be like, hey, maybe the Lakers are terrible by then, right? LeBron has his player option for 24-25. Uh, Anthony Davis, who knows where he's going to be health-wise or if he's going to be in L.A., the, those two picks might be very, very high considering where, where they're at right now, where the Lakers are at in their building. But Russell Westbrook's $47 million expiring deal, and those picks could be enough to bring the Lakers into a potential three-team swap. So when you saw that, what was your original thinking there that, that oh my God, like the Lakers could actually get rid of Westbrook and bring in some proven NBA depth too? I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's always safe to say, no, these four and three or four team deals probably won't happen. But it's hard to look at this one and not see a win-win-win scenario between the Knicks, Jazz, and Lakers. Somehow, I think if I were Danny Ainge, I wouldn't only want two Lakers picks and one Knicks pick. I would want probably two of each because the Lakers, let's face it, they, they win a championship on average once every four years. They were the worst team in the league over a half decade that included the process. And LeBron was like, hey, I want to be there. And a year later... Anthony Davis said, oh, I want to be there too. And even earlier this summer, Kyrie was like, I kind of want to go there. So someone's always going to want to go there. It's tough to bet on Lakers picks even that far out. Um, so I would want one or two of those as well as a couple of Knicks picks just to have two chances at a team going full belly up. Um, but yeah, if I'm Ainge and I could get at least three unprotected picks in total, say two Knicks, one Lakers, maybe I could get Quentin Grimes, a couple of young guys that I might like. Maybe I get Cam Reddish. Um, and then those three protected Knicks picks, I could start to get on board in a three-way deal. And then from the Lakers' vantage point, maybe you get Bogdanovich, um, Beasley. Stein mentioned Evan Fournier as well as an option. Yeah, Fournier doesn't look like a positive asset, but he did he did just play really well internationally. And maybe and LeBron does love his international players. So if you offered him Fournier and Bogdanovich and Beasley, he might say, you know what, that's just the three shooters I need. Let's get it done. Send all the picks out. I'm ready. 
it's interesting to see with the Lakers. You know what I mean? They like, come on. I mean, the LeBron thing. And I kind of wish they didn't win the title in 2020 because otherwise this whole LeBron to L.A. thing would have been a complete catastrophe. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like if they don't win that in 2020, missing the playoffs in 19, getting. I mean, again, I, I liked I actually really liked the basketball that was played in terms of on court in the bubble. But obviously you eliminate the factors like travel, you eliminate distractions, you eliminate. And, and I'm sure they had their own you know, mental health stuff to deal with. A lot of players did mention that afterwards. They were going kind of crazy being stuck on the on the on the Disney campus there <laughs> for that length of time. But I mean, you look at this right now, like even with the Lakers, where do you expect them to be in the West next year? Because you have so many good teams in the Western Conference. Obviously the returning champs in the Golden State Warriors, Phoenix looking to bounce back after its disappointing loss in round two to the Mavericks. The Mavericks, even though they lost Brunson, I think Luka's going to take a step. He's definitely going to be in the MVP running for the next five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, whatever it is. He's that good. Memphis is going to come back a year older, a year wiser, hopefully with John Moran healthy. And then you got Denver bringing back MPJ, Jamal Murray. The Timberwolves are going to be able to make a run here with, with the young core that they have and adding Rudy Gobert. Like the Clippers, you know, there's another team we forgot about. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Like, where do you put the Lakers amongst those teams? Are they even... Uh, a threat to finish in the top six to guarantee a playoff spot or do you see them as a play-in or a non-playoff team at this point yeah you gotta move russ but if you could get those three guys somehow like the three shooters we just talked about i think they'd be right there they they would need health obviously but similar to the sixers if you granted health to lebron and anthony davis and just fixed the westbrook situation like with kcp caruso and kuzma that was a championship caliber roster if mm-hmm. they could just get some semblance of this back, I do think they could be, you know, not necessarily one of the best regular teams, season teams in the West, but a top four team come playoff time in terms of power rankings. Um, the thing that would be driving me absolutely insane if I were a Lakers fan, and that drives me a little nuts as a Sixers fan. If what if on like July 4th, July 5th, when Kevin Durant said he wants out, they were there were reports that this weird collaborative multi-voice front office was equivocating, hesitating to offer two picks for Kyrie Irving. Could they have had Kyrie earlier in the summer? And if not, because they wanted to play hardball, I mean, that would haunt me for the rest of LeBron's career if I were a Lakers fan. Oh, yeah, for sure. And again, there's the, the L.A. dynamic is always there with the Lakers and Rob Palenka and Obviously, Magic Johnson, uh, Jeannie Buss, all these people are involved. Bill Jackson. Yeah, I feel like everybody's kind of the the Rambuses. You know what I mean? Like everything is just kind of there. Yeah, Rambi. And it's like, okay, we'll wait and see how this all plays out. But again, I don't really expect the Lakers to do much. I think LeBron is still great. Obviously, Anthony Davis has to prove that he can stay healthy long enough to help keep the Lakers in consideration for a playoff spot. But you you look at that Western Conference. I mean, to me, there may be number 10 or 11, somewhere around there, depending what happens with the rest of those squads. So again, LeBron's going to have his work cut out for him uh, going into this upcoming season. Dave, let's wrap things up there. want to thank you for joining me as always. Uh, good news, you are going to be looking at, are you going, going to be, you're not looking at, you're going to be starting a podcast with Adio. You guys will be doing your own thing every Monday. So looking forward to launching that, having you guys full-time kind of join the network, even though you've done so much for our podcast side of it on top of the writing. So always good to have you on and appreciate getting your insight into all things Sixers and NBA talk as well. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Anytime. All right. That's Dave early. You can catch him on Twitter as well at Dave early at David early. Pardon me on, uh, on Twitter as well. Actually, Dave, what is your, what is your Twitter? Let's look it up here. What is it? At, at David early, like at early David morning. Early. 
Okay. Okay. For the full name, right? Not with the Dave moniker. Okay. We got yeah, you. No, I'm Dave, just messing Dave. with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let's wrap things up there for this episode of Sixers Daily. As I mentioned off the top, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We are there. Uh, going to be making some additions to our podcast network. Seamus Clancy, who has been with SB Nation a couple times before, also works for the uh, Philly Voice right now, doing his own thing there with the Eagles. But he'll be joining Paul Hudrick to do their own show. So that'll be coming up. And then we're also going to be bringing on Josh Reynolds. He has his own podcast as well. He's actually on with me uh, last week to discuss some things about the Sixers. Really like what he's going to bring. Going to give you more of a fan perspective and a historian perspective as well. So that'll be coming up on our network. Don't forget to check that out. And of course, we always appreciate a five-star review if you're inclined to give us one. And don't forget to check out our written content as well at libertyballers.com. 